Well, welcome to Advent, everybody. <laughs> we uh, believe that every week as we gather through Advent, the Lord is going to give us a gift. Does that sound good? I mean, it might be good to get a gift from me, but I'm sure a gift from God's going to be better, right? And so I want to pray that as we come each week in this Advent season, that we'd come expecting that the Lord would meet us, speak to us, and that he's going to give us a gift. See, we're calling this series The Great Gift Exchange, because the Lord, he wants to take our worry, he wants to meet us in our hurt, he wants to take our despair, and he wants to give us the gift of peace this Christmas. He wants to give us the gift of his love this Christmas. He wants to give us the gift of the joy that comes in him. He wants us to give us the gift of hope. He's returning. And so my prayer is that as we gather each week, we'd come expecting a gift from the Lord. And today, what we're going to talk about is the gift of peace. Give God your worry and receive his peace. Today, I want to invite two of my friends to come and share their testimony with you. There's power in sharing our testimonies. In just a moment, I'm going to invite in a row Feliciano to come, and then she's going to invite her friend Sarah to come. Each of them are going to share a story, a personal story. They're going to be vulnerable up here. They're going to share some things that they learned about the Lord walking with them in, in seasons of, of worry, but how the Lord met with them and is faithful to them. You're going to learn about practical ways that you can overcome anxiety and partner with the Lord to overcome your worry. This message is going to take two parts. And the first part is about that passage in verse, 1 Peter chapter 5 where it says, this is the NIV translation, cast all your anxiety upon the Lord for he cares for you. I love that, that passage, cast all your anxiety Right? It's a great word, cast and all, not just some, but all. The Lord can handle every bit of it. Cast all your anxiety on the Lord. The second part of the message is going to be talking about receiving his peace. So the first part, what does it look like for us to cast our worries upon the Lord? And the second part, what does it look like for us to receive the peace of God? And so let me pray, and as I do, uh, Nero's going to come up. And she's going to begin us by sharing her story. But Lord, I pray that you would come in your power, that you would come by your spirit. And Lord, for those of us who are, are holding on to anxiety, that, that have worry in our life right now over a circumstance or a situation, Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom through your word. Lord, that you would give us your spirit. Lord, that you would help us in this moment. Lord, that you might just give us the gift of peace this morning. I pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, would you welcome Nero Feliciano? I'm going to take my gift. Thank you. Good morning. Talking about the voice of worry, all I could hear as I was walking up those stairs was, do not trip, do not trip, do not trip. All I have to say is y'all are the real New Englanders. You got here, a little snow didn't scare you away. Like, you're the warriors in this town, right? So good for you. Um, I want to tell you about when Brian asked me to speak on worry. I was actually really excited about it until I realized that I had to take a flight to Atlanta 
before I gave this message. And let me give you a little backstory about myself. I am a psychotherapist. I treat anxiety, but I also have lived with anxiety. I struggled with anxiety for years as a child and then growing up. And just so you know, anxiety is an illness. It's not because you haven't prayed enough. It's not because you're not spiritual enough. It is an illness and something that I've dealt with. But throughout the years, either through my walk with God or becoming a therapist and treating anxiety and learning how to manage it, or maybe it's having four kids that will break any resemblance of control that you think you could have had. I have learned to manage my anxiety. But there are two situations that still trigger those feelings and the fears, and one is flying. And I had to get on this flight to Atlanta. Like, I am the person who would wear a parachute on a commercial airline if that was cool. And, and I'm known to get a little bit dramatic on the plane when, when the anxiety hits. And if you don't believe me, you can ask my husband, who in the worst turbulence will sit right next to me snoring really loudly with his noise-canceling headphones on, which I gave him as a gift. And just a therapist pro tip, don't buy those for anybody who you live with because they can and use will, will be used against you one day. So um, anyway, he wasn't on that flight till, and I was sitting there. And the reason why I started to get nervous and fearful was because a long time ago when I started speaking, God told me, Nero, before you give a message, I'm going to have you live a message. And I was sitting there thinking, oh, Lord, I'm speaking on fear. So I had to have a word with God. And I don't know how you talk to God. But I just looked at God and I said, Jesus, please don't play me now. I was like, this is not the time for a teachable moment. And, and the only thing that God taught me that morning was that he heard me, he saw me, he's faithful, and his intent is not to break me or any of us. So he did bring up a time, though, recently where I had also had very real feelings of anxiety, and I'll get to that in a minute. But I want to talk to you first about what God has been speaking to me about overcoming fear or any obstacle. And he's done this through the story of Lazarus. Now, I've been a Christian for a long time. I've heard this story, and in case you don't know it, Jesus gets to see his friends, Mary and Martha's house, a little too late, and Lazarus has died. And just spoiler alert, he raises him from the dead. Um, but, and I've heard this story many times, but... I had not thought about it in this way. I came across this translation. It's the Passion Translation. And God started speaking something new in it to me. And I just wanted to put it up there so you can see it in John 11. So it says, now even though Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and just remember, these were some of his favorite people on earth. He remained where he was for two more days. And I thought, who does that? Who, when they know some of the people or the person they love the most is sick and might be dying, doesn't rush to them right away, especially when you know you can affect change in their life? Jesus stayed. He didn't go. And then as we read on, and when he got there, Jesus made it plain to them, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there because now you have another opportunity to see who I am so that you will learn to trust in me. Come, let us go see him. And, and the key word here is, you can hit that slide, opportunity, opportunity. So Jesus was intentional. And the key word here is opportunity. And I'll get back to that in a minute. So uh, a couple months ago, I was hit with some of my other fear. And I said there were two things that still have potential to raise that fear and anxiety in me. The other is anything health-related 
with any one of my kids. That's where I go into mama anxious mode, even as a therapist. So I had dropped my fourth kid off at a birthday party, and she's five years old, mind you. And a lot of the parents stay. But when it's your fourth kid and you're dropping off for a birthday party, you're like, here, okay, go. And, and, and you, you run off because you want a little extra time for yourself, you know. So when I came back to pick her up, I found out that she had a fall. She looked fine to me, no broken bones, no blood. So we went home. And as we got home, she said to me, Mom, I have a headache. And soon after the headache, we began to see she became sensitive to light and then to sound. And I knew at that point we were dealing with a concussion. And I asked questions later and found out she had actually fallen from the height of six feet on a slide backwards on her back and hit her head. Oh, and even now talking about it makes me a little anxious. Um, but her symptoms started to get worse and worse every day. So I, I felt that feeling coming over me, that sick feeling. And if you ever deal with anxiety, you know what I'm talking about. And of course, as a therapist, I know stay in the present, stay in the present. So I'm trying to stay in the present. But there's nothing like being a part of a family of doctors to take you to that worst case scenario when you're not there. So I talked to my mom, who's her pediatrician, who's like, you know, we have to think about subdural hemorrhage, which comes out four weeks from that time, and we have to watch it. And I was like, this is awesome. This is exactly what I need to hear right now. And my mind then started to go to the worst case scenario. And the reason it did was because I actually have been there before. And God took me to a time a few years ago, and the last time I was here talking about anxiety with Brian, I talked about this, when I was sitting in the ICU with my husband, who actually had been injured and had a brain bleed. And we were up all night. He was resting. I remember being up, hearing the sounds of the monitors. And we were waiting till the morning to see if the bleed had gotten bigger. Because if it did, it would have meant more serious consequences in the situation. And that night, I stayed up, and I was wrestling with God. I was going between fear and faith, and fear and faith. And I remember at about 3 in the morning, I heard the voice of God. Now, I've come to recognize that I do have a prophetic gifting. I hear from God. He tells me things about now and what's to come. And this is not a gifting I want. Because you have to understand, God is funny to give a psychotherapist prophetic gifting. We don't like hearing voices. We, we are highly trained to help people not hear things. So, so in that moment, though, I remember, and God had me remember this a couple weeks ago. He said to me, Nero, which is bigger, your fear or your faith? And then he said to me, choose. Because faith, my friends, is a choice. Sometimes it's a feeling, but more often it's a choice. It's a choice not just to believe in God. It's a choice to believe God. It's a choice to believe what he's saying, believe what's in his word, believe what he speaks to you, either directly or through other people. And it's a choice to trust him that he's brought you this far in faithfulness not to just leave you at this point. And that's not something that happens overnight. When you have some anxiety and you decide to trust God, that is a process that you have to choose over and over again. So what God was telling me it, through the story of Lazarus was that God was intentional. When things come into my life, it's intentional. And, and God doesn't miss things. He doesn't look at what's happening in your life and say, oh, shoot, how'd that get by me? You know, no. Our God is a God of order. He's a God of detail. He is intentional, and our God does not make mistakes. 
So now I've gone into situations in my life and into the lives of my clients asking, God, what do you want to teach me through this that you couldn't teach me before this came into my life? What do you want to show me about myself or about you or do in our relationship that's only going to take me to the next level of your purpose through this? And what God showed me in that situation, and he spoke to me directly through other people, through words, was that my faith needed an upgrade. God was saying, you've been walking with me for a long time. It's time to step it up. I'm looking for people who have the faith of Abraham. And I knew in that moment I didn't. He also showed me a passage in James where he said, when you ask me in a row for things, you ask me with doubts. And I don't want the doubts. It's like you're like that boat being tossed around by the wave. And in James it says, those who ask with doubts will not receive. And I don't want to be one of those people. So God was saying, step it up. Give it to me. Ask in faith. Expect to hear me. And let's see what I can do. So what happened then was I said to myself, okay, i got to get this together. I'm a therapist. I do this for other people. I can do this on myself. And I'm a person of God, and I know God. And there were a few things that I did at that point that I want to share with you. Because God will meet us in that time of need, but he also wants us to make choices. He's given us things to do. He's given us agency. And he's given us, as it says in 2 Timothy, not a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And that's the time he's asking us to step into that. So I did a few things. Number one, I forced myself to stay in the present moment. Because God might not give you the picture for the whole time, for the whole way, what's going to happen at the end. But he'll give you what you need in that day. And as a cognitive therapist, what we do is we collect evidence to find out what is the truth of that situation. And we stay there. And the truth for me was that I knew that whatever I was seeing right now, the symptoms I was seeing, God gave me the ability to manage. I knew that we were not at that worst case scenario. I knew what I was seeing was something that God had control over. And he gave me the peace to be able to walk through that day. And then the next day, I trusted him the same. The next thing I did was I texted my community group in Ridgefield, shout out to them if they're here, and all my other friends who are prayer warriors, and I said, would you please pray? Because I believe that God is asking us to partner with him in prayer. I believe that God says when we're praying what the enemy used for evil, God wants to use for good. In other words, to take that obstacle and turn it into an opportunity and maybe even for you to see what a miracle looks like in your life. And what happened was I started to get texts. I started to get prophetic words. I started to get words of encouragement and just suggestions what other people had done with their kids who had been in that situation. And all of a sudden there was a peace that filled me that I was not alone. I was not walking this alone. We were not meant to walk these journeys alone. And especially if you don't have people like that, please talk to someone here about a community group. There are communities waiting to support you and invite you in. So there was a piece that came from just sharing this with other people. Um, then what I did was I went to gratitude. Because God does tell us to be thankful in all things. And I started thanking God. I started thanking God for my three other healthy kids. I started thanking God that the kid who had the head injury was still a pain in my butt some days. You know, she had enough energy to do that. I still started thanking God that I had doctors in my family to help me. And that God was giving me what I needed to walk through that day. And the amazing thing about gratitude 
because I work with clients, when you're in that moment, you can't always access it. You can't always access what has God done for me? How has he been faithful? How has he helped me? But what I've done over the years is I have a journal to write those things down. And I don't write tons and tons, bullet points, ways that I've seen God, ways that God's met me, things I've been thankful for. So in that moment where emotionally I wasn't there to think of it, I could go to my journal and read it. And we actually have psychological research that's been published in many journals, in the New England Journal of Medicine, that says those who practice gratitude, who write things down, there's a correlation not only for your emotional health in terms of a decrease in anxiety and depression, but also for your physical health. We actually feel better. There's actually less cough, less cold, less backache. It's documented. But the other interesting thing is I worship God. I worship and, and I tell my clients this as well. When you, when you don't have it in you to worship, just put the music on and sit in there because those messages are powerful. And do you know what I learned about worship and about singing? Do you know your brain cannot sing and be worried at the same time? It cannot. It's almost physically, neurobiologically impossible. And not only that, when we sing, our body, our mind releases endorphins. The things that happens when you exercise. Now, this is not an out to not go to the gym and say, I'm going to sing instead and not work out. Because exercise can help your anxiety in a lot of other ways. But your brain also releases neurochemicals such as oxytocin, which actually brings down your level of stress, brings up feelings of pleasure, and helps with the anxiety. So there's a reason when God said we were made to worship, there's more reason than one. It is for our blessing as well. And the last thing I did was I met with God every day. Because at some point in my life, I realized I needed to move God from being my life fest to my lifeline. I needed to hear from God. I needed to have the lens of God to navigate this situation. And I believe that God is calling all of us into that kind of intimate relationship. He wants to speak to you about the details of your life. And if you give them to him, you'll be amazed, absolutely amazed, how specific he is to talk to you about those things. And he'll talk to you about them in so many different ways. He will orchestrate things to tell you he sees you and he hears you. So I started talking to God regularly. Not only that. I had that voice of anxiety in my mind. And any of you who struggled with that knows that that voice can get loud, right? It can get louder than, and, and affect how we feel. So sometimes I need to walk around my kitchen and I need to pray out loud and I might look a little bit crazy. But I do this because I need my voice of faith to be louder than my voice of fear. And sometimes I have to do it out loud. So I start praying scripture. I start saying, God, I know that all things work for good. I know that I do not have a spirit of fear. I know that I'm more than a conqueror, God. I know that you are more powerful than this. And what happens when you do that is you start to speak life and call life into being out of that dark place. Because sometimes we need to hear the truth. And sometimes I even speak to the problem. I speak to the illness to leave the body. You know, because at some point Jesus said, don't talk about the mountain, talk to the mountain, talk to the, to the mountain. And he's given us the power to do that. So what, what I want you to leave my story with is that we have to remember that every miracle in the Bible started with an obstacle, a seemingly insurmountable obstacle. And I can't promise you when you give this to God that he's gonna answer you the way that you expect.
He's not even going to give you all the time a reason for why you're going through it. And honestly, I think there's some situations we walk through, we're not going to have a reason until we meet God face to face. Because if he gave it to us now, it's not in our human understanding to think that it would make sense, even then. But I'll tell you what he will give you. He will give you himself. And when you have God, when you have Jesus, you have peace, you have strength, you have wisdom, you have discernment, you have strategy, you have healing. And I believe that we're on the verge of seeing a huge move of God for those who are calling to him, asking him in faith to move. And what I can tell you about God, when you have God, you have enough. You have enough. And we have to remember, he was enough to get through the Red Sea. He was enough to take down walls. He was enough to not burn in the furnace. He was enough to save people from the lions. He was enough to slay the giant, and he was enough to conquer death. And I wanna just remind you, that same spirit who did all of that lives within us today and is ready to turn whatever obstacle you have into an opportunity and, and maybe show you what your greatest miracle is in your life. Amen, amen, amen. You may have heard that courage is not the absence of fear, but the ability to take steps forward in the midst of it. And I'm about to invite up one of my former clients, Sarah, who knows what that means. She has walked her walk with courage. I had the privilege of working with Sarah a few years ago when her doctor, who she didn't know was a Christian and attended Walnut Hill, then referred her to me through a trying time in her life. And I just want to give you a little background about her story. Sarah was, is a faithful woman of God. She was a young life leader for five years and a teacher when she suffered the miscarriage of her first baby. Now she has told me that in that, she even saw the hand of God, but she left that situation feeling wounded, hurt, and questioning God. When she finally got back on her feet and back into her faith, she then experienced the second miscarriage of her second baby. And it was that point that I met her and we began work together. So I hadn't seen her in a few years, but she came to mind as I was thinking through this talk. And I called her up and I said, Sarah, are you ready to tell your story? And she said to me, Nero, you know I have a fear of public speaking. And I said to her, yeah, but if you have a panic attack, your therapist is right there. So what could be better than that? which was not all that comforting to her. But she said, you know, God has been moving me to tell my story, so I'll do it. So would you please welcome my very brave and courageous friend, Sarah Spranson. Sarah. So tell me, tell all of us, what your relationship with God was like after suffering those two great losses. Um, as Nero said, I had considered myself someone with strong faith, but I had really never been tested like this, and I was just so angry. That was the biggest emotion. I felt like God knew how badly I wanted to be a mom. He knew I felt like I couldn't handle losing babies. Um, he knew that was my worst fear, and he let it happen anyway. So I just felt really betrayed by God. Um, as angry as I was, I also knew that the only way to get through this and to find healing and come out of it was also through him. 
So I forced myself to continue going to church week after week, even though it was incredibly difficult. Can you describe to us what your battle with anxiety was like at that point? I was so anxious about the same thing happening again, getting pregnant again and losing another baby. I just didn't think I would be able to handle it. I didn't think I could get through it. I just had so much fear about physically, emotionally, spiritually, um, mentally going through the process again. And it was really hard for me to trust God when I felt like my prayers had been unanswered. So a little while later, I discovered that I was pregnant with twins. And I was trying to be happy, and I was happy. I thought, okay, God is funny. I lost two babies, and he gave me two at once. Yay, one and done. This is going to be great. And um, so I, part of me was happy, but there was still that fear that worst case scenario that something is gonna happen again and I'm gonna not be able to handle it. So can you tell us what happened during that pregnancy? So during that pregnancy, I went in for a routine ultrasound and the first baby looked great and the second baby had no heartbeat. So I remember my husband and the doctors trying to be very excited and focus on that one baby, and I couldn't hear any of that. I was just crushed. This was the third time in a row, and I just thought, here I am with baby number four in my stomach, and I've still never been able to hold one, and it just wrecked me. All of your worst fears were realized. I remember that. And yet you still had this one life that you had to go on for and have hope for. How did you do that? It was hard to stay hopeful um, because I would think, I already lost three, why would this be any different? Um, and we were never given a reason from the doctors why it happened, so I couldn't do anything different to feel like I had any control from it not happening again. So to stay hopeful and keep going, um, I really had to borrow faith from others, which is something that a wise woman told me. <laughs> um, I just couldn't see God at the time, and it was hard for me to ask other people for help because I would rather be helping somebody than ask for help, but I had to just invite other people into my mess and just have them walk through this with us and pray with us, and God definitely orchestrated people in my life that became such an integral part of my story and who just prayed for us and prayed that I would be able to trust God again and prayed that I could see God in all of this and prayed that I would have hope and have peace. Um, I remember a friend, I would, whenever I would talk to her, I would always say if, because I was afraid to get attached or plan anything, and I, my stomach would be growing, and I would say, if I have this baby, and she would say, when you have this baby, it's not if, it's when. So just having to borrow faith from other people when I didn't have it. And as Nero said also, a big thing for me was just trying to stay in the present and stay in the moment one day at a time and not let my mind race ahead to the what ifs and to the worst case scenarios. Was there ever a time along the journey that you felt peace when you didn't expect to? Yes, so doctor appointments were a huge trigger mm. for me 
because all three of our losses were confirmed through ultrasounds. So I remember that I had an ultrasound coming up and I was terrified about it because it was at the same office um, with the same doctor who had, the last time I had seen him, he told us our baby had a terminal diagnosis. So I just thought, there's no way I can go back there again. And I was terrified. So I would love to tell you that I courageously stepped out in faith, but I didn't. <laughs> I tried very, very hard to get out of it. <laughs> so I called the office and tried to get the appointment with the other doctor and was told that he had left the practice, so the original doctor was the only option I had. So I didn't give up. I then tried to go to a different office, and I scheduled an appointment through Yale, and long story short, they couldn't fit me in in the window that I needed to be seen for them to see the baby. So at the end of the day, I had to just say, okay, God, <laughs> I gotta just trust you, and I'm gonna have to do this. And I just had so many fears about it being the same about going back to the same office and seeing that same doctor, and it was at the same point in my pregnancy, and I just thought, what if I get the same outcome? So that morning, I had um, had my, my prayer warriors in my pocket, which became a big part of my life at that time, and as Nero said, it just helped me feel like I wasn't alone, like I was going into battle but I was not alone. So I started off the day with this unexpected piece. And I remember when we pulled into the hospital, which is where the appointment was, the first thing I noticed is that they were doing construction. And that doesn't seem like a big deal, but I had so many fears for this appointment just being the same. And from the beginning, God was making it different. The construction meant that I couldn't get to the office the same way. So I had to literally go through a different entrance, down different hallways, through different doors, um, just to get there, which was just amazing that God worked those details for me. I still had fears about seeing that doctor again, and so the nurse called me back and did her thing, and then I remember her saying, okay, doctor so-and-so will be in shortly, and my husband and I just looked at each other and thought, that name didn't sound familiar. And I'm thinking, but I know it's the doctor. I don't want to see because I tried really, really hard not to see him. <laughs> and they told me there's nobody else. So sure enough, um, the doctor comes in, and it's somebody I've never seen before. And my first impression was that he looked just like Santa Claus. <laughs> and it was just a huge comfort because I thought, okay, Santa's not going to tell me bad news, right? <laughs> this is going to be okay. And it was just amazing how, again, all of my fears about everything being the same, God had worked so hard in the details to make sure that it was a totally different experience for me. I remember Sarah came into session after that experience, and I was so curious, who is this doctor? Because my parents have been at Danbury Hospital for the last 40 years. And when she told me his name, I said, Sarah, you do not know how much God loves you. Because I knew that name and I knew that doctor. And I knew that he was the best in the area at maternal fetal medicine, but he had also been in retirement for years. So he, and he was a Christian. 
So God literally brought him out of retirement for that week to be there to meet her at that appointment. It was amazing. And we just won one story of the extent that God will go to meet you when you step out in faith. Sarah, so you had that experience. Was it just smooth sailing from there? No. <laughs> um, the reality is I still worried. I still had fears um, about something going wrong. I was still afraid to get attached to this baby. It was definitely an ongoing process of continuing to hand it over to God. And I remember one day I went to see Nero and was especially upset and distressed. I remember very well. Sarah was very tearful and she was talking to me about her fears, many of them which had been realized. And, um, you know, as a therapist, sometimes it's hard to know what to say, especially when the worst has happened. So I do remember it for another reason. It was one of the first times that God gave me a prophetic word for a client in session. And I can tell you I did not want it. I heard it from God, and my first reaction was like, mm -mm, I'm not saying that. And it just kept getting louder and louder. And I remember even telling God, I am trying to work here and concentrate. Can you stop talking? Because it was a big word, and I felt like in saying it, I was actually putting my whole career on the line. But one thing I can tell you about myself, what I lack in faith, I do, I have learned to make up in obedience. So I, I gave you the word. Do you remember what it was? Yes. I'll never forget it. She said, the worst is over. And I just cried and cried, which I did every time I saw Nero anyway, but <laughs> this was especially meaningful. I mean, that was literally my worst fear through all of this, that the worst was not going to be over and there was just going to be one more loss. And just hearing that gave me so much peace and assurance and comfort that whenever I had any doubts or I didn't feel the baby moving enough, I would always fall back on that. Kind of like, well, Nero said that God said <laughs> that the worst is over, so it's gotta be. But just, I just, I believed it. I knew it was from God and it was just so, so powerful. Sarah, what do you want to tell people who are in the struggle right now? I'm gonna read this part. There's so much I could say, but I think the biggest thing is that God will not leave you in the desert. I know when you are in the desert, it feels like you will never get out, but he will bring you out. My husband always says to me, I wish you could have seen yourself now, five years ago, or four years ago. While you are still in the desert, he will provide an oasis along the way. He will make good from your struggles. I think about the fact that if God had answered our prayers to heal our first baby, I wouldn't be standing up here today with a story to tell. Not to say that I'm glad it happened, but to say that it did happen and God used it for his good. For me, there were unexpected gifts along the way. It left me with a new depth to my marriage because we had to walk through this together and come out together. It left me with a stronger faith because I had to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. It left me with more of a heart for others who are hurting, because I know what it's like to be in those shoes. It left me with a beautiful community of support and prayer warriors who became an integral part of my story in my life. I know it sounds crazy, but at times I look back at those hardest times in my life and I miss the intimacy I had with God and those who he put in my life during that time. His presence was so palpable. 
It is so true that God is close to the brokenhearted. He will not let you down, even if it feels that way in the moment. He will not leave you in the desert. Amen. Amen. So proud of her. So proud of her. Well, we wanted to show you how God did meet Sarah and how he answered her. So this is her family. That's Autumn. She's the fighter baby. And this is Casey, who came a couple years later. Friends, would you uh, stand with me? We want to pray a prayer of blessing over this family. And as they um, came and they shared their story and vulnerability, we want to pray a prayer of protection over you guys mm -hmm. and just... Uh, that the Lord would just bestow his peace upon you even right now. And so if you feel comfortable, just raise a hand towards them. And Lord, we just uh, pray uh, for this just wonderful family. Lord, this, um, this family that is a gift from you. And so Lord, we just pray that you'd protect them. Lord, that you just grant them your great peace in this Advent season. Lord, that you would show and reveal your great love for them just over and over again. Lord, that you would just instill within them your joy. And Lord, that you would give them a great hope. Lord, we thank you for the power of the story and testimony. Lord, I pray that it would have uh, a great purpose in the lives of those who have heard it as well. And we just bless Sarah and thank you for her testimony. She leaves here now and starts to wonder, did I say all the right things? Lord, just affirm in her yes. uh, that you yes. used her in a powerful way. Yes. And if you agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. 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 Thanks for Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.